Can we talk about one of the coolest stories I've seen in a very long time? And by a very long time, I mean like maybe two years ago. This rule that some sort of, it's not, I know it's not a random person, but essentially a civilian, a non pro hockey player can just hop into goal if two goalies get injured during a game is a phenomenal concept and I think is awesome. David Ayers, 42-year-old former Zamboni driver and I believe a current business operations manager, played 29 minutes for the Hurricanes at Toronto because he is the emergency goalkeeper for Toronto. That is absurd. How is that a rule? I love it though. He entered the game up 3-1. to one. There were 10 shots on him the whole game, which is actually, hey, credit to the Carolina Hurricanes. Only 10 shots. Up 3-1. Registers 8 saves on those 10 shots. And he even got his own shot on goal. They won the game 6-3. to three. The man's a hero. The people's champion is David Ayers. David, I don't know where you are right now, but I hope you're having an absolutely fantastic time. Welcome to episode 3 of District Divided. I am your host, Amit Singh. I feel pretty established at this point. I don't even know if I need an intro anymore. Um, got a good show for you. Got the deep dive on DC United with my buddy Jason DuPaul. Uh, so you'll be hearing that in the middle of this podcast. Of course, we're going to intro with the State of the Union. And I'm going to tell you why the Redskins at pick number two should not take Chase Young and should not trade down. So let's get into the State of the Union. Guys, a 42-year-old former Zamboni driver for the Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in an NHL game. That happened this week. It's still crazy to me. Why don't we just stick to hockey in that case? The Cavs played four games last week. They went 2-2. Two and two. Started last Thursday with a 3-4 OT loss to the Canadians. Alexander Ovechkin did get goal number 699 in that game, so that was pretty cool. And then moving on to Saturday, they ended up losing again, unfortunately, to the New Jersey Devils, but Alexander Ovechkin did it. He got to goal number 700. The fastest ever to do it from 600 to 700, second fastest ever to 700, only Wayne Gretzky did it quicker. And the Caps are reeling at this point, right? You know, the season is going well, but the last two weeks have been kind of tough. We've been talking about it. They're flat. Nothing like a get-right game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. 5-3 win the very next day on that Sunday. Jacob Vrana, Tom Wilson, Carl Hagelin with two former Penguin, and TJ Oshie with the game-winning goal. And wouldn't you know it, they play the Winnipeg Jets, and they win that game as well. 4-3 in a shootout. Alexander Ovechkin with goal number 701. And he even gets the game-winning goal in the shootout against the Winnipeg Jets. Two more trades that the Caps made, so some roster changes there. Ilya Kovalchuk comes from the Montreal Canadiens. He's the former number one overall pick in 2001. Of course, he's 36 years old now, so we'll see what all he can do. But he expects to be in that third line and will definitely be a part of the rotation. We gave up a 2023 round pick for that. 
Daniel Sprong from the Anaheim Ducks. He's a 22-year-old right winger. He's been playing with minor league San Diego Gulls, and he's assigned to our minor league team, the Hershey Bears. A fun fact about him, he's Dutch. Dutch hockey player, Dutch NHL player. Second one ever and the only one right now. So that's pretty cool. We did give up Christian Juice, who will forever be remembered as a rookie on the Stanley Cup winning team. Moving on to basketball, we have the Washington Wizards. One and three last week. Like the Caps, they've had a rough start, but then they actually followed it with a strong finish. 108-113 loss versus the Cavs, led by as many as 16 in the first half. It's a game you sort of want to have, right? You're at home against a bad team. But the Cavs under J.B. Bickerstaff, who's their new coach after the All-Star break, so that was their first game with them. They've gone 3-1 and one since, including that win against Washington. They've beaten Miami and Philadelphia, who are the 4-5 and five seeds in the East, respectively. So very impressive by the Cavs. Moving on to the Chicago game. Bradley Beal. God bless you, man. You are awesome. 53 points in that Chicago game on the road. Unfortunately, Chicago controlled the game the whole time. They ended up winning 126-117. But again, Beal 53? Are you kidding me? And get this. The very next night against the Milwaukee Bucks, the best team. That team. Bradley Beal had 55 points. I'm just going to say it. He set another career high in just 24 hours after having set his other one of 53. So 53 against Chicago the very next night, 55 against the Milwaukee Bucks. We were down as many as 20 in the second half, scored 22 of the last 24 points for DC in regulation, Bradley Beal did, and we even took a four-point lead in OT. Milwaukee's just too much this season, though. They're the fastest team to ever clinch a playoff spot. The last time the Wizards had 50 wins, which is what Milwaukee has now, 1978-1979 season. So just to put in perspective how good Milwaukee is, and just to put in perspective how good Bradley Beal's been. Again, 55 points against the Milwaukee Bucks. But we took that momentum and we ended up beating the Brooklyn Nets. Jerome Robinson came in with the clutch three-pointer to put us up 108-106 with 15 seconds left. He also sank the two free throws with under two seconds left to ice the game 110-106. Beal had 30 on the night, but I think he was much happier with the 30 and the win than the 55 and the loss. We entered the night four and a half games back of the eight seed so we'll see how they do this week the hoyas of georgetown Ugh. two losses 74 68 at depaul 93 72 at marquette the team is visibly out of gas at this point they need a miracle to make the ncaa tournament it sounds like if you're a hoyas fan pray they win the big east tournament i think that's about it they can win out these next three games and maybe be on the bubble again, but I think the Big East Tournament's what it's going to need to be. The Terps. The Maryland Terrapins are amazing this year. They went 1-1 one one on the road this past week, but I am so thoroughly impressed with that win against Minnesota. We'll start with Ohio State real quick. They went to number 25 Ohio State. They lost 79-72. Ohio State, it, again, winning on the road in college basketball is very hard. They pulled away early in the second half. The Terps still cut it to three at one point, but again, Ohio State managed to pull away. The win against Minnesota was ridiculous. Maryland is tough. It was a must-win game for Minnesota. They're on the bubble, meaning that they're close to making the NCAA tournament, and they've got Maryland on the ropes. Down eight with 2.06 to go. 
Daryl Morcel hits the game-winning three with under two seconds to go. So they claw back into the game because Minnesota is missing free throws, but Maryland is making shot after shot after shot. They win 74 to 73 on the road against Minnesota. And let me tell you, this Maryland team, it's wide open this year. This could easily be a Final Four team. Get excited if you're a Terps fan because there are some cool names. Aaron Wiggins, Anthony Cowan Jr., Jalen Smith, Daryl Marcel. There are guys on this team that can just take over. And on to the XFL, the DC Defenders. 0-2 LA. Now 1-2 LA because we ended up losing 39-9. The game was over pretty quickly. Down 27-3 at the half. Cardell Jones threw more interceptions than yards in the first quarter. Two interceptions and zero yards. He finished 13 for 26, 103 yards, no picks. Oh, I'm sorry, four picks, no touchdowns. First loss as a starter, so still 13-1, still shining. Josh Johnson is the opposing quarterback. Former Redskins legend Josh Johnson. He was dealing. 18 for 25, 278 yards and three touchdowns. It could have had four had Trey McBride caught a perfect 42-yard ball in double coverage. Trey McBride, by the way, was drafted by the defenders, and we traded him to LA for Rashad Ross, who had one catch for 17 yards in the game. Trey McBride, meanwhile, five catches, 109 yards, two touchdowns. I don't think he's too bummed about dropping that 42-yard ball. Nick Brosette got our 38-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter to cut the lead to 30, 939. And that's how it finished. So the defenders are now two and one on the season. On to the deep dive. Here we go. So I'm sitting here with Jason DuPaul, part-time season ticket holder, full-time diehard DC United fan. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the pod. Um, yeah, so so I moved to DC about six years ago. I'm a big playing soccer my whole life. Been a big fan, and I've um, you know always looked into trying to jump in and support the the local team live. And DC United is a club with a lot of history, and you know in, enjoying games at RFK and now Audi Field. Uh, I really enjoy um, you know getting out there and and uh, and drinking some beers and seeing how the team's doing. <laughs> and so, why DC United over other teams like you know the Redskins or Caps or Nationals? That's a great question. So I would say growing up, um, you know, so uh, I, I grew up in, a, in another area uh, up in the Northeast. So other teams were kind of pushed on me from from other generations. But soccer was kind of a, a sport that was that was brought upon on my own. Um, and so I, I really want to pick my own teams and pick my own battles. And so that's that's how I kind of joined in on the, the DC United front, just being able to see the team live. Um, that's that's That was a big, you know, a big thing for me for joining that team. I respect it. That's yeah. thinking for yourself. I feel like we just don't see a lot of that these days. So you know, I'm proud of you for <laughs> yeah, taking right. the initiative and leading the way here. So if yeah. you're listening to this, please think for yourself yeah. and just make some Make some decisions that feel good for you. Yeah, go MLS, man. MLS is the way to go. So talking about the MLS, why should people be interested in it? I'm a huge Arsenal fan, so I know why I should be interested in it because <laughs> it's just been a rough season overall. But why yeah. should other people be interested in Major League Soccer these days? I think MLS is fascinating in that, uh, I mean, to the layman, uh, it's it's considered people will, you know, throw it under the bus saying it's a, a retirement league, things like that. Um, but w- when in reality, you really look at the picture of the league in the last few years, it's it's 
one of of parity. I think that's that's very unique to that league compared to most other big leagues in Europe. You know that you know you look at the Premier League, the Bundesliga, things like that. There are you know the La Liga in in Spain. There's a handful of of solid teams, but the the MLS is really um, you know anywhere from ten to even more, 15 teams really have a legitimate shot of winning the league. And so I think that's um, a league of growth and a league of, you know, parity is, is something interesting for watching. Cool. And so speaking to that parody, could you name like some of the teams that are really good or some of the signings that have happened over the offseason that are just, just sort of big time for the MLS? Yeah. So I think at this point in, in the league, the, the real measuring stick is uh, I think two two teams, in my opinion, Atlanta United um, and LAFC. They're two teams that have really committed to spending a lot of money, um, spending a lot on the, the fan experience. So bringing in huge, you know, huge crowds, but also putting a solid product on the field that is, you know, comparable with teams in Mexico, like Liga MX teams, but also um, bringing in, you know, young talent from South America that is, um, you know, able to, to put the MLS on the map in terms of, you know, growth in the game. Nice. All right. And so I know like Chicharito Hernandez, so who is a Mexican national team player. I don't know if he's actually retired from the national team or not, but he's with the LA Galaxy now. Right. And so LAFC has Carlos Vela. And so El Trafico, as they like to call it. Yeah. It's pretty neat that they're going to have two Mexican, like full national team strikers going against each other. I think that should be a lot of fun this season. Oh, definitely. And, and I mean, be even just beyond those big names that that the league has this year in particular this particular offseason has uh signed a number of of high profile signings from the mexican domestic league um if we're talking about just about dc united uh, specifically edison flores uh was signed from morela in 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 mexico for a league or for a a team record five million dollars which is a huge you know huge sum for dc united um, and there's a bit of a trend of you know of movement from the the Mexican league to the U, to to MLS and um, you know an effort by MLS owners to really put themselves on the map as you know not not really the old uh, you know suburban retirement league of you know of the 90s that this is like a, a legitimate league and they're they're spending money on it and they think this is a you know solid investment. Awesome and, and Peruvian international Edison Flores, yes, who's yeah. bi- actually he starts for them. He's really good, and so it's a big pickup for DC United. Do we pick anybody else up? I know I'd heard the name Julian Gressel, but I don't know much about him, or maybe some other players you could name. Yeah, so I mean, we're talking about you know changes for DC United this year. Um, the you know the big exits that are obviously Wayne Rooney, a huge huge loss for 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 DC United this year, um, but also Luciano Acosta went to actually went the reverse direction to a, a team in Mexico. Um, Lucas TT Rodriguez also left his his loan has expired. But on the flip side, uh, a lot of positive momentum. We mentioned Edison Flores, also Julian Gressel, who's on um, who played for Atlanta United uh, the last two or three years, I believe, and uh, was a was rookie of the year back in 2017. So a strong uh, a strong signing there. Um, and beyond those two, we've seen um, that at the end of last season they signed Ola Kamara, who's a strong forward. Um, Eric Sorga is a, actually a, a name that is uh, a little known from the Estonian National League. Actually, he led the league with 31 goals last year, so he's, he's kind of like a, a wild card. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but they've you know really kind of bolstered the attack this year with the loss of, of Wayne Rooney and Lu- Luciano Costa, who were you know the um, primary sort of catalyst for for most of the goals last season 
Okay, so where do you expect to find the goals? Now, I know you spoke about Ole Kamara a little yep. bit, and Edison Flores is a more attack-minded player. Do you see there being any issues um, with that attack now that it's you know composed of new players? Yeah, so uh, this this team is on, on, the, on the one you know on the one side is, is way more versatile. Like a lot of these players can play multiple positions. Uh, can Edison Flores, for example, who I believe is is really the the key to the team this year. Um, can play anywhere from a, from a central, you know, number ten role to play out on the wings, um, and and the I mean the name of the game, the attack this year is feeding Ola Kamara and, and getting him as many goals as he can. Um, this is his chance to really shine. He's been he, he's um, you know kind of been in the shadows you know in recent years, and this is the, the they've really built the team around uh, feeding him, and so I think the opportunities to to play to play into him um, from Edison Flores from. Uh, Julian Gressel, Yamil Assad is another player who has uh, actually played with DC United um, a couple of years ago uh, and is back with the team. Um, Ulysses Segura, they, they have a number of, of strong attacking players to feed to feed him this year. Is Yamil Assad back on a permanent basis or is it a loan again? No, I think it's I think it's a, a permanent basis. Oh, uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I, I know so my, some of my buddies and I have season tickets and uh, we go, I mean, we go for the drinking, we go for the game, we go for the atmosphere. Audi Field is fantastic if you have not been to a game yet. Uh, I absolutely recommend going. Uh, but Yamil Assad was one of those players that we really enjoyed, so it's great to see him back. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, uh, I mean, on the flip side, all this positive talk, we do have to talk about the big elephant in the room is um, arguably one of DC United's strongest players, Paul Ariola, um, t- tearing his ACL in, the, in, in, a, in a preseason game a few weeks ago, likely out for the year. Um, and so, I, I, mean, I mean, I would say up to, up to that point, this was, you know, one of the stronger teams we've seen in recent years for DC United. But losing losing Paul Ariola is uh, really um, really takes you know a, a big a big chunk out of the the offense this year. And, and I mean, he's a full time national team player at this point, yeah, and exactly. he's been starting at the wing, and he's just relentless effort. If you were to draw a comparison in basketball, I guess it would be Russell Westbrook offensively. <laughs> you know, the guy just has a motor. He's got he some sauce stop. too. Yeah, he definitely has some sauce. So. All right, so Paul Ariola is out, Wayne Rooney's gone, Lucha Costa's gone, but we, again, enter Flores, enter Gressel, enter Assad. We've got a decent backline. Bill Hamid is back on a permanent basis. Yep. What would you say expectations are for this coming season for DC United? So that's, that's honestly, that's a the million-dollar question. This team can has a very high ceiling, like a arguably a, you know, push for the conference you know, title type type uh, ceiling, okay, okay. but at the same time, uh, losing Ariola. Um, when you look at the bench, it's honestly pretty pretty bleak um, and full of youngsters who are big question marks. Um, there's a low floor. Like uh, this is a when you look at like MLS.com, MLSsoccer.com, um, a lot of the pundits are seeing this, seeing DC United this year as a, a borderline playoff team. And um, honestly, I think they can achieve more than that. Um, but there's a lot of question marks out there. So um, it's it's a question of depth, to be honest, when you get to the dog days of summer in the MLS. And isn't it crazy that the season starts this Saturday? It does, this Saturday. Uh, it'll be a cold one, but I'll be there. Um, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll be there too. Uh, and it's um, a big one against uh, Colorado Rapids, who... Uh, just barely missed the playoffs last year, um, but are you know looking to rebound. But this is you know the first chance to really see Edison Flores, you know this this new this new revamped offense. See how they how they come together. No, I'm absolutely going to be there. I got brunch <laughs> with the boys beforehand, oh, so yeah. we'll we'll be ginned up and ready to go for that one. 
Uh, so prediction for that Colorado game that's Saturday. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. I, I, honestly, uh, just looking historically, DC United does well early in the season. Uh, ben Olsen teams are usually pretty prepared pretty well. I see them winning um, maybe 2-1, uh, 3-1, something like that. Hopefully a big showing from, from Flores. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll hopefully get off with a strong foot. You got a player of the game prediction as well? Oh, man. I mean, I am... Okay, I, I know I've been talking a lot, but we've been talking a lot. Uh, Edison Flores, I just hope that that the money's worth it and that he's there and he and he shows his, his sauce. Second time using sauce today. All right, <laughs> sounds good. Well, Jason Tupal, thank you so much for being on the show as our second ever guest. All right. I'm going to shake your hand here before you get into we that. We did it. we shook. We shook, we <laughs> shook. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening to The Deep Dive. Moving on to the sizzling take of the week. We're getting into the Washington Redskins. As some of you may know, they are picking number two overall in the 2020 NFL Draft this coming April, and there are a lot of really good players to choose from. The one that's heavily rumored to them is Chase Young, defensive end out of Ohio State. He actually went to DeMatha, so he's a local kid, and he's talked about how much he loves the Redskins, how much he loves Dwayne Haskins, the current quarterback, and it seems like a match made in heaven. Everyone's talking about how he's a generational pass rusher, and honestly, to an extent, I buy it. I do think he's a really good pass rusher. I do think he would really help the Redskins out. But when you look at what wins you games, it is at that quarterback position. And Chase Young is a phenomenal, once again, a phenomenal talent. But how many times are you going to have to address the defensive line in the first round? Jonathan Allen in 2017, pick 17. Deron Payne in 2018, pick 13. Montez Sweat in 2019, pick 26. So that's three straight years you've taken a defensive end. Well, Montez Sweat plays linebacker as well. Great. What's going to be different? You were picking a pick number two overall for a reason. You are ranked dead last in points. I like Dwayne Haskins. I think he could end up being a very good quarterback. Is he going to be a great one? Mm, that's up to Ron Rivera, right? current Redskins coach that's up to the coaching staff that's up to the GM I know Dan Snyder wants him to be great and I know a lot of fans want him to be great and maybe he will be but Tua Tagovailoa is available and it sounds like he's going to be available at pick number two and you have to take that Alabama quarterback Let's look at other defensive ends for a moment before we get there. J.J. Watt, Khalil Mack, Miles Garrett, members of the Houston Texans, Chicago Bears, Cleveland Browns, respectively. How far have they gotten in the playoffs? J.J. Watt's gotten to the divisional round. Deshaun Watson's their quarterback. Phenomenal talent. I think they'll go to the Super Bowl at some point. Chicago Bears, Mitch Trubisky's the quarterback. They lost to the Eagles at home. Last season, Nick Foles, we know about his success in the playoffs, but at the end of the day, how do you not beat that Eagles team? And Miles Garrett with the Cleveland Browns, we know all about the Cleveland Browns. Not very good. Baker Mayfield's a good quarterback, but will he be great? There's still questions. So defensive end, you can be a quote-unquote game-changing defensive end, but how much do you truly, truly change that win-loss column? And the Redskins are locking into this situation. There was this entire saying called tank for Tua, meaning he was going to be the first overall pick. 
And then what happens? Joe Burrow decides to have the best year, single year, in college football history. Tua, meanwhile, gets hurt. But he plays most of the year, and he does very well most of the year. But people sort of forget about him. You get in, you get entranced by the moment. You get enchanted by Joe Burrow. And I don't blame you. He's also an Ohio kid, says so the Cincinnati Bengals. That narrative exists. Why wouldn't you take Joe Burrow? I think it's a great idea. But Tua Tagovailoa, who I'll just call Tua from now on because I cannot keep saying Tagovailoa. <laughs> Tua is the best player in this draft. He is first in passer efficiency and first in passing yards per attempt. Not just this season. In college football history. And he played in the SEC. Think about it. He's playing against LSU, Georgia, Auburn, Florida, and he's playing against all these elite players. Think about Jalen Hurts. He went from Alabama to Oklahoma. He had very good numbers at Alabama. But the moment he went to Oklahoma, he's putting up video game numbers. He finished second in Heisman voting this year. He was there for one damn year. What do you think? Tua, again, first in passer efficiency, first in passing yards per attempt. What do you think he would do at Oklahoma in the Big 12 where everyone is open? Everyone. And Tua is putting up mind-blowing numbers in the SEC. That is the toughest defensive conference that exists. He is doing this with ease. And the only reason, and I stress again, the only reason he's going to be available at two is because he got hurt. The entire tank for Tua thing was about this year, was about who gets the number one overall pick this year. And the Redskins somehow got lucky enough to be picking at two with the Bengals of all teams, with Joe Burrow being from Ohio and having that historic season, picking at number one. It does not get any easier than this. Let's look at some numbers from college, because maybe just believing me isn't enough, and that's fine. Joe Burrow, passer efficiency rating of 202 this past season. Dwayne Haskins in 2018, 174. Dwayne Haskins in that season in 2018, 50 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Phenomenal. Not knocking him for that. And honestly, not even knocking him as a quarterback. I just think we're talking about elite talent with Tua. Tua's passer passer efficiency, excuse me, 207. So Burrow 202, Tua 207, Dwayne Haskins in 2018 with Ohio State, 174. The passing yards per attempt for Joe Burrow, 10.8. The passing yards per attempt for Dwayne Haskins with Ohio State, 9.1. Career year. Tua, this year, 11.3 in nine games. But Haskins has looked good in his last two games. He threw for two touchdowns versus Philly and New York. Each. He's good enough. I challenge you to think, Redskins fans, is good enough what you really want? Both those teams had horrendous pass defenses. I would hope a first-round QB, having played six games already, could do something against them. Both those games were lost, by the way. He did exit the Giants game early, but they lost both those games. They are last 
Once again, they are last in points per game. Look at this list. Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. I named six quarterbacks there. Five of them have rings. All six of them got off to rocket starts in their career. It's an easy way to tell if someone's going to be really good or not. Did Dwayne Haskins do that? No, he didn't. He got off to a very slow start. And did he get better? Of course he did. Is he going to end up being incredible? Maybe. But if you're not convinced, why on earth would you take Chase Young when Tua Tagovailoa is available? By all accounts, he's the generational talent you should be looking at, not Chase Young. I get that Chase Young is going to be incredible. I honestly do think he's going to be elite in this league. But when you look at the defensive ends and the elite ones we're talking about, again, the J.J. Watts, the Khalil Max, who are all pros, where have they gone without a quarterback? J.J. Watt could get there because Deshaun Watson exists. But what about Mitch Trubisky? Are you kidding me? They're looking for a quarterback right now. Because they can't take Khalil Mack any further without one. We're talking about the most efficient passer in college football history playing for Alabama. Does he have that old world line people are talking about? Sure. But what about A.J. McCarron? What about Greg McElroy? What about Jalen Hurts? They all did. None of them put up the numbers that Tua did. Tua's ability to escape out of the pocket to create. It's Russell Wilson-esque. His accuracy is like Drew Brees. These are the comparisons he's drawing. And you're going, no, it's cool. We got Dwayne Haskins. If you look around Twitter, just, you know, just decide to search Haskins, Tua, whatever you want to do. You are going to see Giants fans, Eagles fans, Cowboys fans going, honestly, I really hope Washington takes Chase Young because Tua would scare me. Don't you want to take the guy that scares them? Don't you want to take the guy that can make that list, that Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, don't you want a guy that can make you a playoff team at the minimum every single year? The NFC is there to be had. Aaron Rodgers is getting older. Some people say he's not even elite anymore. Drew Brees might have two or three more years left max. Russell Wilson will be around for a while, but you're just going to hand it to him? We saw what happened in the Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo is the weak link of San Francisco. They have a perfect team all across the board. A perfect team. And they lost because Patrick Mahomes could make up for the deficiencies of the rest of the Kansas City team. That is what happened. They have a great quarterback. There was nothing San Francisco could do about it. Jimmy Garoppolo could not make the throws in the fourth quarter he needed to make. So why, if you were the Redskins, are you not? This is a no-brainer to me. You take Tua. (sighs) Anyway, getting on the docket for the next week. Start with the Caps. They're at the Winnipeg Jets tonight. They're at the Minnesota Wild on Sunday. They got the Flyers on Wednesday, and they're at the New York Rangers on Thursday. They've looked like they've bounced back. I would expect to go three and one in those games, willing to settle for two and two. Only the Flyers are a current playoff team, so again, I would expect them to have a pretty good week this week. The Wizards, meanwhile, are on a four-game road trip. They're at Utah, at the Warriors, at the Kings, at the Trailblazers. I'm not particularly optimistic about this. I would expect them to go one and three. I'd take either the Warriors or Kings game. 
as a W for the Wizards. I cannot see us taking both, and definitely neither the Jazz or Trailblazers. Those teams are just too good right now. The Terps, my God. They are playing so well. I mean, the way... <laughs> I still can't get over that comeback. They There is something truly special about that Terps team. They play number 24 Michigan State at home, where they are undefeated, mind you, on Saturday. And they play at Rutgers on Tuesday. The Hoyas... <laughs> I mean, just gotta pray that the Big East tournament's good for them. They play Xavier on Sunday, and then they play at number 10 Creighton on Wednesday. Expectations are just at a low. Pray for both. Hope for one. Expect none. That's the reality of the situation. And finally, the DC Defenders. You got at Tampa Bay Vipers on Sunday, who are 0-3, so the Defenders should win that. And, uh, oh yeah, of course, DC United, obviously, playing Colorado in the season opener. So look forward to that. That is at Audi Field. Thank you all for listening. And Polly Polo, you know what to do. Take us out. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. I can go for broke, but the capital is in me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. 